Welcome to Between Two Wrestlers, a podcast that tenuously links together wrestling matches and we discuss them and put our own perspective on it. I'm Andrew Bowers, the owner and promoter of North Wrestling, and I'm currently sandwiched between two wrestlers, Rory Coyle and Liam Slater. Um, w figs where we used to do the stick figure and wrestling figure animation um and again the first time that i ever heard journey um don't stop believing was on a stick figure compilation of um all the guys that were on that board all the cool guys and then there was a guy called insane ng and he was rubbish um so <laughs> like one like note hold that you get in journey was like a clip of uh, like a screenshot of him saying please don't ban me um, <laughs> so for loads of people I think you can tell a lot by a person with <laughs> what they associate don't stop believing with mm. For there's a lot of people that are like it's Glee for me it's mm. the Sopranos for mm. Leaves Slater it's the stick figure animation community that he was heavily involved <laughs> in yep absolutely genuinely it's, it's the only thing I think about <laughs> Please don't mind. I, like I, I, I think about Tony Soprano, and you think about that guy. <laughs> Insane NJ. Please don't ban me. Insane NJ. If you're around, Insane. please drop me a message. <laughs> I love that. That reminds me of. I think when you like, how old are you? And you were doing um, stick animation. You never ask a stick animator their age. <laughs> about twelve, thirteen, ish. Just I think like twelve, thirteen on the internet is. I think the. I don't think life will be better than that sometimes. No. If I think about what I was doing on the internet, right? It was pre I, 12, 13 was probably like pre like really finding out what the internet was about. Um, and I was like, I was on eFed role play boards, yep. creating wrestlers. And uh, I had my own, of course I did. I had my own wrestling promotion on Yahoo groups. Nice. And yeah, fuck it. Like I absolutely fucking loved it. It was like, it was the halcyon days. I wonder what some of those, there's a guy called uh, GR8 Loco, who just was, he was so good. I mean, he was probably shite, but like he was the king of the E-Feds. And you would, I would, I would go on Yahoo Messenger and try and convince him to come and wrestle for, wrestle, role play for my uh, wrestling uh, Oh, <laughs> so I so oh, again on on W Figs it was quite a wide selection of communities, um, and I tried my hand at pretty much all of them, which is where the basis of like a lot of my media studies comes from. Um, the E Fed stuff I could just could never get my head around. Like it felt like they were all in way too deep, and I was like, I don't know where to start on this. Oh, but yeah. Pick Feds where you would take photos of your wrestling figures in various stages of matches um, was pretty fun. There was a dude on there, I cannot for the life of me remember his name, but he used to do like loads, like he'd animate like the fucking, the entrance and the Titantron stuff and like he'd put like pyro on it and stuff like that. And I was like, this is incredible. Like I loved going on and being like, oh, there's a new episode of whatever he's putting out. Um, yeah, it was, it was fucking class. Jamie Noble, like as James Gibson, was like the big like top heavyweight for loads of people because he just hit Ring of Honor at that point. I just got so excited because I thought Jamie Noble was on the boards as well. <laughs> I was like, I, I reckon there are a good amount of cool um, a good amount of wrestlers that were on those boards. Um, I'm sure Chris yeah. Brooks was on them. I like if I if I've heard conversations correctly, 
Um, he was probably one of the cool guys that did really cool stuff. He was doing like cool stuff on W figs. Like he will have been. I like I can guarantee it. Yeah, it's that thing. I have that conversation. You know, when like everyone's like, "Oh, he's he's so cool. That wrestler's so cool," and I'm like, "He's cool yes. in wrestling." Like, <laughs> and I think it's a thing of just remembering sometimes. What about Boris? You've called us cool multiple times. <laughs> yeah, you, in, in wrestling. It. In wrestling. <laughs> what? Um, so <laughs> cool within our community. I mean, I yeah, I cool. do as well. Like, to to rat out know, uh, Leon yeah. Slater a little bit. Leon's like one of the coolest guys going. Um, <laughs> um, and you probably won't listen to this, so it's fine. But Leon used to walk around on his tiptoes as a child. Oh, why are you? Oh, he's, he's completely, completely. Um, so even like one of the coolest guys <laughs> in the UK at this moment in time, he's talented enough. He walks around on his tiptoes as a child. I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like serious for a second. That is why it's fucking cool because you've got Leon Slater signing for one of the biggest promotions in America, literally the best wrestler in Britain at the moment, without a doubt. And he was just a little nerd like the rest of us. It's like, I mean, like, he's way cooler yeah. than us now, though. <laughs> like, he's, he's gone stratospheric on that front. I fired up Extreme Warfare Revenge on a laptop um, just two days ago. You sent and me I, the logo? I did. Yeah, I did. And I was really happy because I was booking um, ECCW, which is a Canadian promotion. And they've got, they, they were like, I was asking Mike Bailey about this because I'm a sad bastard. <laughs> and um, he's like best friends with my favorite Extreme Warfare signee who had signed for everyone, Frankie the Mobster. And he actually told me, he was like, Frankie the Mobster's now got a passport. I was like, ah, oh, don't tell me that. <laughs> don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin us. <laughs> Headlined by Frankie the Mobster. Oh so, my God. Confirmed, that so But... ECCW, I, I used to, I used to like then go and seek them out and watch them on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, North draws more than they do on my Extreme Warfare Revenge game. So nice. who's successful now? <laughs> who's successful now? This is like this is a slight tangent. Um, yeah, I mean it's already a slight tangent. We're six minutes into a podcast where we're supposed to be we talking about the name of the podcast. <laughs> um, the, um, this, I think, this is the wrestling equivalent of. Um, a mate of mine from school, you could sign in uh, Chapman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Nice. And you could sign him from like a very, very low division yeah. <laughs> team. And the amount of lads that would meet him at like Christmas time in a nightclub and be like, I signed you on Chapman. And he'd be like, oh, cheers, lads. And they're like, yeah, you fucking shit. <laughs> uh, you always get fucking injured. Fucking shit. And he's like, oh, I swear to God, I had one year where I got injured and now it's, Forever written in the my EA. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I worked with a guy who was in like the footy manager or chat man that I played when I was ninety seven, ninety eight, and I was like, oh, wow. I mean, imagine that. But then we all got put in a database for Total Extreme Warfare, which I don't really play. I've played it a couple of times. Now I know you guys would get put in it, but I got put in it, and I was like, this is ridiculous. But it also shows you. Wrestling is a tiny little community. <laughs> if, if I'm getting put in a game that I thought was big, it must be fucking tiny. But yeah, fucking cool as shit. Should we start the podcast properly? Okay. So, but before we start, 
Liam, dig, dig us up some animations. Yeah, Surely I, you yeah got I'll try to. Um, what do you want, mine, or do you want people that were actually pretty decent? Definitely yours. I want. I want yours. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I want. I want, I want yours, and then I want the best one as well. I want the Warrior Dragon XOXOs. I want. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I, modern Liam. What was your XO? What was your yeah? What was um, your God, what was my name? I had so my middle name's. I just give away all my personal details here. My middle name is Joseph, so I was LJS07 for a while. Um, I had like a handle that was like no gimmicks needed or something along those nice. lines at one point. That might have been like my tagline. Like, look at me, like, oh, I'm a postman of pro wrestler. Even at like fucking I like twelve, that. I also yeah. like that you know tag with me and the jokes on you, all the gimmicks. <laughs> And I love it. Um, no gimmicks needed. I like that. I had another one as well. And we have a show called No Gimmicks. <laughs> and it's just all gimmicks. Um, but yeah, I'll try and I'll try and find it. But yeah, that was my name, LJS07 for a while. There was a guy called MCK07 or something along those lines, or just MCK, and we shared a birthday. That was the link. Um, he was a cool guy. I hope he's doing okay. If any of these guys are listening to this podcast, which the chances are very slim, unless they followed Liam Slater's career very I don't closely. think they will have done. <laughs> Please get in touch. Were they just not into wrestling or it was just, British wrestling? It was as we were kids and stuff like that and all that sort of stuff, just it, it, people just end up drifting away and stuff like that. So I never kept in contact with him. I had a couple of them on MSN. I'm going to make a shout out to a guy that I used to role play with. That sounds bad uh that's, <laughs> let's call it e- e- <laughs> a guy who's the e-fed with who we always talked about starting a wrestling promotion his name was dr l that was his name on uh yahoo messenger and uh we talked about booking the donny dome I've, I've, I, that's a that's a um, memory that i've unlocked and i don't know where that had been before so if he's ever listening a podcast i think well we're 10 minutes in now so we haven't even told you what the name of the podcast is or whatever so um and today we're talking about cm punk versus Rey mysterio versus eddie guerrero from iwa mid-south last time out we did eddie versus ray from halloween havoc and obviously a not so tenuous link on this one is eddie and ray double chain Uh, it's a double chain um this was from the first of march 2002 um you can see this on YouTube for free. Uh, IWA Mid-South is a, I think, was a very pivotal uh, promotion of varying quality. Yes. It was a deathmatch promotion in its kind of, um, in its roots. Um, and my recollections of IWA, IWA Mid-South was, it was CM Punk's home promotion, uh, Colt Cabana and all of that type of stuff. Ace Steel. Was Chris Hero was a prominent figure there as well. Yeah, he was. Um, and it, they were almost like a precursor to what then became Ring of Honor, I think, and what a Ring of Honor used quite a few of their guys. Um, and they're kind of the non-deathmatch style, I think, came from that. Um, this match got a 7.84 rating on Cage Match, so it's a little bit less than the Ray and Eddie from Halloween Havoc, but it was a super important um it's a super important match it's a from a, it's a very specific period of time and i think it's kind of researching it confirmed to me that i think eddie guerrero is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time if not my favorite wrestler mm. and i think 
this is such an important part of what then became like his most famous um, run in wrestling, which was kind of from 2002 through to his death, really. Eddie had been in quite a bit of trouble. Um, He'd had a car accident on New Year's Eve 1999. And he got addicted to painkillers. So this was kind of the start of his, um, it was the kind of the start of his downfall, unfortunately. He had then been um, sent to rehab in May 2001. And what I thought was really interesting, which I hadn't realized, is he missed the whole of the invasion angle um, at this point. So he'd kind of come out the back end of the radicals. Um, he'd had his European title run. Um, and he, so he was on the up. Um, but they'd kind of disbanded the radicals and they were all doing their own single things. It was very clear that Eddie and Chris Benoit were the two that were going to get the super, well, we're going to get a push out the back end of it. And Eddie was really showing what he could do at that point. I remember the European title and I fucking loved it. I loved that whole, like, it's again, like showing that from a promoter's point of view, the importance of the mid card. And I think the importance of the mid card then was, and I think that's something that gets overlooked nowadays as well, is that, Mid-card wrestling is pretty much your bedrock of what makes a really good show. So, yeah. So, unfortunately, Eddie was then sent by John Laurinaitis and mainly JR was sent to rehab. Um, During that time, it looked like he was going to come back at the back end of 2001, but he was then arrested for drink driving. He was then fired by the WWE. And I know he said he was fired. I think he was kind of like put on gardening leave. Um, cause there was still, JR was very, still very hot on Eddie. They all, Eddie was very much rated quite highly, but his problems were really stacking up on him. I think he's having problems at home. I think, um, his addiction problems were getting out of the way. Just as a side note, it was also reported that Ray Mysterio was at this point going through his own battles with drink, which is quite interesting. I think it kind of like gives you that backdrop of like, of wrestling. I think of WWE as this pinnacle. And, the, you, you know, you, you have this opportunity to be a millionaire who performs in front of tens of thousands of people per week, millions on TV. But the reality of it is, is that you're quite close to then slipping back to IWA Mid-South <laughs> within a... And I still think that's quite relevant to today um, as an industry. But yep. I think it's quite interesting, yeah, to just see that the fragility of your... Um, of your career. So did you guys know all about that? Did you know all about that start? I've got a bit more to go into after that, but in terms of why Eddie left um, WWE, were you aware of that at the time? I didn't know any of this. I was watching the invasion angle. So, yeah. So at the time I, I was unaware. It's only in retrospect that you sort of go back in and look at that. But yeah, I, I don't even, I'm very young in my viewing, mm. uh, viewing years here. So I maybe clocked that he disappeared, but not to the extent that like he was out doing other stuff. But I didn't know anything outside of the WWF no, at the time existed. Obviously, there was WCW and ECW, subtle, but I didn't. It's a sort of reference to Japan stuff as well. Our age there, Liam. I appreciate oh, that. He just called yeah. us old. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's all right. I think I wasn't exposed to this. Um, and even IWA until years later. Mm. So I, yeah, like I, I didn't have access to any tapes or anything of any of this stuff. Um, so I would have been heavily embroiled in DDP was stalking the Undertaker's wife. Yes. That's where I was. When this was going down, I was like, oh my God, it's that lad that my mates told me was very good. 
Underrated angle, that. <laughs> underrated angle. Underrated angle by an underrated. I think DDP and WWE, is, I think it's quite well documented, completely underused and like underutilized. I think as well, he was like a bit old. So well. how long does this indie run last? Months. Right. Early 2002 Mold. is kind of when he hits the independent. He wrestles super crazy in Ring of Honor's first show, I think. And I remember um, reading up on it. Dave Meltzer gives a, a yeah. bunch of kind of reports on it. And Ring of Honor's like looked at as, oh, shit, these are quite a an interesting promotion that aren't making the same mistakes as the other ones. He then comes over to like, um, he wrestles in FWA over in the UK uh, in the King of England tournament. Him and Doug Williams is on challenge. Yeah, on I remember seeing. Now I remember seeing that quite a bit because it was obviously replayed quite a bit on the wrestling channel. Um, oh, I love the wrestling channel. Man, the wrestling channel is fucking best. I don't, I don't know if you know this story, best. Liam. There's a, and this is like I've heard this story via like one or two people, where this sounds like it's the period of time where he got in contact with a well-known UK promoter who ran the camps and somebody was in the office and the phone was ringing and he answered the phone. I can't do the accent. He's a fairly well impersonated person. And he goes, what? Hey, hey, I mean, you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Never fucking heard of him and slammed on the phone. That's the version of the story that has trickled its way through the wrestlers. But it sounds like it kind of lines up, especially if he was over in the UK doing stuff, uh, which I find yeah. amazing. Obviously, look, I'm like retrospect. But even then, if I'd have seen a poster for a local show or I'd have been on holidays at Butlins hmm. and Eddie Guerrero had walked out, I'd be like, that's Eddie Guerrero. Like, at least he was still a recognizable, like, he was a, a, a name. I'm trying to think of like who he'd be comparable today to. And I think, I think probably legitimately at the level of like say because i think i saw, I read about this online and people were saying oh it's kind of like danielson coming from now and i don't think it's quite like that because danielson had a bigger run and and eddie hadn't had yeah. his uh wwe championship run at that point he hadn't won the belt the most he'd won i think he'd won the intercontinental title he'd definitely done a big european title run cruiserweight title in wcw so he was well known so i'm kind of thinking like maybe like a hangman pagey kind of level something like that Maybe a bit higher. So I think Hangman's too big because he's yeah. had the belt. I would actually compare him to a Dominic Dominic mm-hmm. Mysterio. Like he's had a couple of runs. He's got a little bit of notoriety, but and people are going like, "Oh, this Dominic's pretty yeah. all right." And then if he was to disappear for six months and then bring him onto this, there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, "Oh, he's really good." Yeah, yeah, I know him. And also, it's a different time period. Like now that you've got the internet, like everybody knows yeah, everything. I think that's true. Like at this point in time, if you don't know, you don't so know. Was he- Sorry, is it, at this time period, he's not—he's not been released so officially. Been, yes, is he like, had been officially. Also, he'd been, actually been like, yeah. But I suppose back then, there's not as much of a like Liam said. It's not a case of a tweet goes out and it's like he hadn't been featured yeah. endeavoured. Yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of they mean. say. Yeah, they say on comms that he gets an injury. Mm-hmm. Like they write him out by being like Eddie Guerrero's got a tricep injury or something like Albert that, injured and then he's not seen for months. Yeah. So I think I think what if you there's a couple of things in his bio or a biography of him or a couple of documentaries where Jr. talks about it quite a lot, where he talks about how he tried to keep in touch with Eddie for a period of time. Um, I think it was it was very clear that they wanted him 
to come back. They wanted him to do well, but the uh, arrest in November 2001 is what kind of pushed it over the edge a little bit for them, uh, where they were like, he needs to go and get himself sorted. And I think that was the kind of catalyst for Eddie to go, I'm going to go back on the independence. There's a quote from Eddie where he talks about um, standards and he kind of, it was the first match he did on the independence and he was, yeah, I think he said, you know, there's like a hundred people in attendance and he still went out and did his absolute best. And he realized it didn't matter whether there was one person or 70,000 people there. He just wanted to do. I've the literally best got himself. that as a note. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got that as a note for this match. And I think that's clear. He has a philosophy. Uh, he could talk about his philosophy of working on the independence. And I think this is one that needs to be relayed back to a lot of people kind of working on the Indies now is I've always, so his quote was, I've always believed you can put somebody over and still get yourself over if you do it right. As long as the people get great a great match, that's all they remember. And I think that's just like, yeah. I think that for me, when I hear that, is how he wrestled and he didn't care whether he went over, he didn't care who won, who lost. If you put on a great match, that's all that people give a shit about. I was like, yes, Eddie. I, I, think, that's, I think that's a great attitude to take. Yeah, I completely agree like it, absolutely like as long as the circumstance is right winning and losing it does matter but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. in the long run of stuff it doesn't matter it can be helpful to like boost people and put people in the right directions but like people can take a loss and it mean more than getting a win it's always contextual right so i think if you go back yeah. to the eddie ray one we talked about that with the mask um and he didn't want to take the mask um and eddie fought for that for not losing the mask. And I think that just shows exactly the kind of person that he was at that point. Um, just to kind of go back the other kind of, um, indies that he wrestled for at this time, he did a, like a tour, a couple of tours, or I think it was a tour in March. Sorry. He did at new Japan. It was predominantly six man tags with black tiger and the team 2000 stable, uh, as a heel stable. Uh, he has the odd singles in Japan one, which I hadn't looked at, but was against a very young Shibata, which is interesting. <coughs> Um, he also wrestles for a company very close to my heart, an uh, Australian promotion called WWA. Um, they hold a special place in my heart, not only because Double J was part of the promotion, but they ran a couple of shows in Newcastle. Um, I went to see the very first one, and it had like Conan on comms. Uh, I think Bret Hart was there. Um, Buff Bagwell versus Stevie Ray. Our friend uh, Gangrel defeating Luna Vachon in a Big black match. Big gangers and an agenda match in 2002 at a family show. Amazing. Guys yeah. ahead of his time all the time. Yeah. And unfortunately, those two shows, I think one happened, in, the one that I went to happened in December 2001. And then the next one after that happened in the, like the next December. So we missed Eddie Guerrero because the Eddie Guerrero Indies run is actually quite short. It's only a couple of months. Um. So yeah, unfortunately, I missed Eddie didn't go on that one. He wrestled in Australia against like Psychosis and Juventud Guerrera, which is like, I would quite like to find those matches as well. Um, So one month after this match, Eddie returns to WWF television. He returns on an episode of Raw where he attacks Rob Van Dam. Um, This apparently comes off the back of this match and then what he then subsequently does. WWF were in the midst of signing... Ray Mysterio, Ray was, and this is, I didn't realize this because Ray comes back in June or, or comes to WWF in June. He drops the mask. He drops the Ray Mysterio Jr. 
part as well. And the reason why he wasn't on any TV or part of the invasion angle was that he was sitting out his Turner contract. So he had a contract with Turner up to June 2000 or May, June 2002. And they were obviously all on big bucks and were like, I can't sign for WWF because I negate all of this money. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because it just completely, if you look at the invasion angle and a lot of people look back, me included and go, man, like they've dropped the ball on that classic wrestling, um, logistical issues and contractual issues with the reason why you had Sean Stasiak as like the, the Mark Jindrak as the head of the invasion. Couldn't follow the car. Like that's what you're always on about yeah. like filling cars and stuff. And they just, yeah. they just couldn't follow the car. They just had to fill away random Joes. Yeah. Trainees. <laughs> Power plant trainees. What happens then is Eddie's career then kicked off, culminating in him winning the WWE World Heavyweight Championship from Brock Lesnar later on in the well, year. Um, yeah, which is an incredible run after that. But again, it all comes back down to this match. So um, I think like for me, this is a transitional point for Eddie going from 2000-2001 Latino heat to Eddie Guerrero coming back and being Ali Achi Steel, or as my dad liked to say, Ali mm. Achi, I do a bit of washing. Um, that was like a constant go to because <laughs> he'd just be like, ah, what, what does that guy say? Ali Achi, I do a bit of washing. Um, so <laughs> this is a transitional point where you can see that formation coming through, but this is like the last uh, 2001 version of Eddie Guerrero. There's a quote from CM Punk of this uh, going into this match and he said this in 2019 people should know how good Eddie really was he was in a rough spot recently fired home front was uh, turbulent he came to the show and looked tired he said to me I hate three ways if it's okay with you can you (laughs) and Ray put something together and just call it to me in the ring I wasn't sure that was possible but he didn't miss a beat and you Ray so open and given to a little punk indie kid you laid out a masterpiece and I wasn't sure I could keep up one of the early times I remember being in the ring and thinking to myself, this is fucking magic, a pleasure and honor. Um, he also is quoted as saying, I thought, I, this is CM Punk, I thought I was pretty damn good until I got into the ring with Eddie and Ray. What I found really interesting about this was that Ray Mysterio lays out the whole match, basically. This is his match. I think it shows as well. But it also shows how close Eddie and Ray were and how good Eddie was to just go. And how good Ray was as well to be able to kind of go, I'm going to put this together and Eddie's going to not miss a beat. Um, so I think what's really interesting is just that the backdrop to this small little indie match and then kind of like the the consequence after it, which was in wrestling, it never really turns out to be a good thing, but actually turned, it turned out to be quite a positive with a tragic ending, but quite a positive kind of run that Eddie goes on off the, off the back end of it. I just think, yeah, it's a really interesting snapshot in time when you, when you watch this match, especially if you also factor in CM Punk into that as well. So we've talked about Eddie, we've talked about Ray, but then to take, CM Punk who is you know like an upcoming indie darling he's over at IWA Mid-South but he doesn't get his like real ROH run until like 2004 2005 to which then he gets signed you then think that he goes to the WWE and has quite a major feud with like Ray at one point as well um, and like has interactions that way a lot of CM Punk's hype is that he's in this match how many other people could have been in this match that then this just doesn't stand up 
to it. Um, yeah, there's a good couple of people that were at IWA myself that could have been in that match. Chris Hero is one of them who could have been in that place. Um, a Steele's on commentary on this. I don't see there's a reason why he couldn't be wrestling. I think he actually he's challenging for the belt on the next show, which is why he's on comms. Um, Colt Cabana could have been in this match. There's a bunch of people that could have been in this, but it is interesting that it, it happens to be CM Punk. So what happens actually on this weekend, it was a double header. Um, IWA mid-south double header. I, I guess I'm not spoiling at this point. Eddie wins the belt. He then goes and wrestles in a singles match against CM Punk. Ah, right, okay. Night. And Punk wins a belt back. But yeah, I think what's really interesting is like you've got, I mean, it could have been Colt Cabana, it could have been Ace Steel, it could have been Axel or mm-hmm. Ian Rotten. It could have been, like, if you go back through the rest of the card, the card is shit. Like, it's, there's not a lot of good stuff in it. And it gets a really low rating. Um, That's IWM itself, through and through. Like, not to, I mean, yeah. not that they ever plugged us, but on IWTV, there is a bunch of mm. IWA mid-self. Uh, and I go back and watch some like Tracy Smothers stuff at some point just because he's fun to watch. But like the cards are just, I I love them because they're just awful. Yeah. But there is some rubbish that's happening on those shows. Mm. I think what's really interesting as well is punk in this um and looking at his style and kind of looking at how this match was kind of put together and how like how he was used in it. Um, if we kind of like jump into the start of the match then, um, I just think the differences in the looks of the wrestlers here, and bear in mind that Punk looks like this, albeit gets a bit more like, I think his gear gets a bit better when he gets the Ring of Honor and stuff like that, but not by a whole lot. He looks like such a local wrestler compared to Eddie and Ray. Like it's just, it's to me quite staggering, like how different they are. So what I, my first kind of, I also, did you also notice he carried in, you've got the IWA Mid-South Heavyweight title, which is a really horrible brown kind of title, but he's also carrying, and I couldn't work out why this was, a WWF replica tag team title. Now I know what they used to do back in the day is like, because it was really expensive to get belts is that used to just get replica belts and just get like their name put on it rather than WWF. But I I have no idea why he was carrying the WWF tag team title belt. Just like, again, like you're saying, often it's it's an easier way to get a replica belt and put a a sticker on it. Um, Or have the belt of a defunct company and then put a sticker over that for tag team championships. Maybe we should do that for Wrestle Carnival. (laughs) Grab their belts. Well, anyway, um, I mean, I may have a, I may possess a tag belt from a, oh yeah, a a, a double defunct uh, promotion. I think that's what that it's absolutely what I'm referencing. <laughs> uh, and I definitely didn't find it again last night, and I was like, oh, I forgot about this. Looked at the plate and went, oh, oh, was it in the boot of your car? Uh, it was. Um, it was lying on top of, uh, it was lying behind a, a stack of video players. They won't be listening to this podcast. They can have it back, I'm sure. I like this look from Punk. Like, I don't <laughs> mind, I don't mind this look, but I, I see what you mean. Like, they look, um, yeah, there's like a real stark difference. Partly too, like, it's size and, mm. and tan and oil. Um, but um, I, I kind of like the Punk. I think that when you see 
Punk do the shorts, it's it's always a, a reference to this in the Ring of Honor stuff. Um, but yeah, I know what you mean. When you watch this now, I'm kind of like, he's just wearing yeah. a pair of shorts. Yeah. Like he's just, it's like watching Liam, he's just wearing whatever old Pretty shorts much. he's found. The only thing is he's not showing as much um, as leg, as much leg. As, That's uh, a key to it. Liam Slater does because oh, those shorts. If, are I, if I was to go back here, I would say to Punk, you need to chop off all the pant leg. Just <laughs> once it starts to go from hip to leg, that's that's the that's the point. Especially if he's wrestling on a family Absolutely. friendly show, you want the mums to come up after you. Afterwards it happened. And get a picture of you it, in the it, show. Oh, genuinely, it, it happened. A woman came up. She's like, "Can I have a picture?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course." And she's like, "Those shorts." Ooh, and I'm like, <laughs> "Do my job." <laughs> we yeah. know what we're doing. He appeals to the mums, and I appeal to the delinquents and goths. Uh, what's also interesting here is that Punk has um, pro wrestling boots on and not kick pads. Yeah, I was, I was, I was yeah. just about to say that. It's, I think that's maybe the one thing that makes it go. All right, this is this is a it's a weird setup because, but you're wearing boots, yeah. <laughs> and also wearing a very long uh, undershirt as well. Just saying. Yes. Just, I also. Athletes in the man's pants now in intimate detail. <laughs> What's quite clear is IWA Mid-South very much has its own vibe. Um, that's a nice way of me saying the ring is that shit. Like it looks... <laughs> I fucking love it though. <laughs> it's just so I also bad. love that the turnbuckles are just taped. Yeah. There's, no, there's no pad on there. They're just <laughs> taped more than the ropes are. Yeah, yeah they're just... They're just like a fat piece of the rope. Um, like I kind of quite like, um, like I, even though I said like I didn't have a lot of tapes, I didn't have access to tapes of this at the time. I've somehow inherited a shitload of VHS tapes that have a lot of IWA Mid-South on them. That's what happens um, when you, your whole gimmick is VHS tapes. Yeah, and I would just <laughs> pop them in. And I, I really, I really love where this is I love that there's like a bonanza fucking thing in the is it like a I don't even know what type of scoreboard it is. is it a bingo thing or something I don't know whether that's walls? like a basketball scoring or something like that uh, there's like a there's like a little hat that looks like a tuck shop yeah and the most important thing watching over all the wrestling is big Jesus is he? <laughs> now my dog's barking I didn't know he was, was uh, there's, a, there's a cross in shot for most of the fucking hard cam I think that tells you everything about the actual geographical setting of where we're at as well. And like the kind of maybe the fan base. Um, so yeah, I think the triple, th I, I think what I went back to, cause I did the research on this before I watched the match. So I kind of had a bit more of a, I kind of wish I'd just gone in and watched it and then gone, Oh, okay. Right. And had my eyes opened after that. But my first thing, if I go back to the quote of from CM Punk, about triple threats as two wrestlers what are your thoughts towards triple threats because i know as a promoter i kind of i, I go I, multi-mans i'm all right because i can see how four people can kind of be paired off to two and you can have two off and two on at any one time it kind of makes sense uh to me triple threats i was kind of shy away from because you've always just got one guy one girl kind of kneeling at the ropes selling badly waiting for their spot so yeah what are your thoughts I on triple threats 
singles matches and single tag matches, yeah. uh, multi-person <laughs> matches. What a surprise! Really, for me, I don't massively like them. I don't think any I, if anything, I find them a bit of a pain in the ass. So, come to North on the next show where the postmodern sick boys take part in a triple threat tag team match. <laughs> <laughs> Lucha rules officially oh, as well. All right, okay, right. Well, I'm <laughs> cool. I'm back in again. I'm back in the room. Yeah, I think it's like a, I think it's like a shared view, though, isn't it? Like a lot, and like I've heard, I've heard like Austin mm. make reference to the fact that he doesn't like triple threats either. I, yeah, I, I don't fucking like them. Uh, but like this is, I generally don't like. I don't really enjoy watching them a lot mm. of the time as well for that same reason of like it is kind of three singles matches just sliced the together. The story you can mm-hmm. tell with them I think is the issue. Yeah. Um, was this like I, I, I quite I quite enjoyed this and when you said about um, the quote about Ray putting the match together mm. if that sentence had been the other way around and Eddie put the match together I would have believed it. Mm-hmm. Because it just it does flow real nice mm-hmm. after that first exchange, and even the first exchange is really good because Eddie's just in character. He's just mm-hmm. feet up on the ropes, watching them wrestle, going, "Yeah, gonna gonna win, wrestle lads, you dafties." And then he does get involved, gets ping ponged around a bit. Um, but there's some there's some real nice bits in this that do flow well. There's mm-hmm. like the there's the 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 attempt for the six one nine. And again, it's like these little bits where like Eddie's character is coming through, and you're starting to see that lie, cheat, steal, yeah, version of him where he's just like he sees a six one nine coming, he's like fuck that, he just walks away. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I think right at the like, start of the lockup sequence was my favorite bit um, to kind of like example that of, of the like three of them are kind of testing each other out, especially when you realize this is being called the Eddie in the ring, and they're kind of like testing each other out, and then. Eddie goes to lock up, takes a step back whilst the other two actually lock up. And I think it's a really nice way. And then like you were saying, he goes and sits in the corner. I think it's a really nice way of very quickly establishing who sits where and what the kind of role of each wrestler is in uh, in the match. And for Eddie to kind of clock that straight away, I'm just like, fucking that's now, so Now, not good. to say that wrestlers lie, but um, it's quite a nice story <laughs> to it's quite a nice story to be like yeah and Eddie Guerrero didn't know anything now I watched the CM Punk getting ready for the Royal Rumble match video on YouTube recently where he goes to NXT and I'm pretty sure in that Mm. he talks about the fact that he's never done a springboard before he comes to WWE and he does it because then people because he's trying to do stuff that people aren't doing he does a springboard in this match so yeah, a bad one. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Do I think? Do I think that uh, Ray put this match together? Yes. Do I think that Eddie had minimal input mm. into this? Yes. Do I think that a general structure um, will have been called to Eddie before they got in? Yes. I don't think that they're in there going yeah. do this, Eddie. That some. I mean, fair hooks to him <laughs> if it is, but some of the timing on the movement and the flow of stuff is so good that, like, he need like, the timing of him getting into place is so on point that he needs to at least have some awareness that that spot is happening like that. 
I think the likelihood is you've got a really tired Eddie from traveling and from all the other problems that he's going through. I think he'd wrestled in kind of the February was very busy for him. So this was like the first of March of the week before he'd been in Australia. So, I mean, that in its own right. Um, he'd been wrestling in New Jersey, Chicago, obviously. Um, so he'd been here, there and everywhere. The likelihood of him just sitting in the corner and just going, just, just whatever. Yep, that's fine. Yep, that sounds good as well. Eddie, are you okay doing this? Yep. That's fine. And then putting them two putting it together. Because I, re- I would imagine you've got Ray in there who's going, I'm going to make sure Eddie's okay. You've then got Punk going, I just want to do whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> Probably. And uh, there are some funny spots that he throws in here. I think the springboard yeah. is a weird one as well. Spring Trying to do a springboard in that top rope of that ring is uh, an interesting choice. Ray also say. uses a bottom rope to pop into a, a Rana. A fair fucks to him for looking at that rope and mm. going, yeah, I probably get, I'll get, I'll commit to this. And he does well with it. I think that was that's another one. One of the questions I was going to say was like, it's quite obvious that there's a big gulf between Punk and Ray and Eddie. I don't necessarily think it's like Punk's bad. That's not what I'm saying here, but you can tell the difference in quality. You can tell that I think obviously Eddie and Ray have worked at a much higher standard. What would you say as from a wrestler's point of view? Why would you? What would you say are the things that kind of stand out to you that make you know them look so much better than CM Punk in this? I would for me, I think a really good example is the springboard or use or the utilizing of the ropes. Is that Ray's balance is just unbelievable to actually pull off something like that? Whereas Punk kind of nearly falls flat on his face when he tries it. So I was being very quiet because um, there appears to be. Uh... Um, a rumble happening in my house between two canines and <laughs> that was a bit that kind of stood out to me was the I'm assuming he's running about because he does a springboard blockbuster mm-hmm. um, but he also does a springboard into the into yeah. the ring and um, there's a there's a slip on that springboard into the ring where yeah. I'm kind of like hmm oh why did in, you try that? In that ring, I'm like, oh, fucking, why are you doing a springboard? There's a couple of little bits as well. Like, um, there's just a, he's like, it's weird. Like, they look like they're having a, their, their stuff looks a little bit rough in places, which adds to it. It's kind of like what we said about the the Havoc match. There's like an aggression. Whereas his looks like a little bit, there's a couple of extra steps here and there. That you only you only notice if you're watching it with a fucking like nerdy wrestler thing, and like I, it's something that like if I was to watch myself wrestle, like if I was to watch me in Kingston, I would notice me taking four more extra steps than he does on everything, and I don't know if it's like just this like reps or like it's probably was a mixture of like reps and confidence and and just they've done it so many times that they don't even need to think about it anymore. There's a couple of bits like I notice like even when he grabs. I like it though, like because it does, like it kind of plays in the story a little bit. Um, is selling as well is a little bit like indie fake compared to theirs, which is weird because they're like polished wrestlers that mm. obviously self. But I don't know if it's, that's the translation of like two TV guys translating into what feels like a very indie show, whereas he's an indie guy that's looking to translate to the TV show. So I sometimes like it sounds like a little bit smaller, so a little bit yeah. like. I think what's interesting is if you go back and just look at like the the length of the match, I know that just sounds a bit mad, but it's eleven minutes fifty five, which is I think is such a nice, concise for a like for a, 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 it's not the main event of the show, but it's a heavyweight title match. It's eleven minutes fifty five. If you then go and look at the other matches that Punk 
like the other defenses that he has around that around that time. He wrestles uh, he wrestles Chris Hero in a tables and ladders match for forty five minutes. There's then a gauntlet match before that for forty five minutes. There's a, a two out of three falls match with Chris Heroes, which is thirty one minutes, and all the matches with it. He has three matches with Eddie. He has one after this, a singles match where he wins the belt back the day after 16 minutes. Then a month later, he wrestles in a three, another three way with Colt Cabana and um, CM Punk Eddie Guerrero, which is 12 minutes. And for me, it just seemed like there was not a lot of, I think it's a really interesting point of what you make with Punk there, the extra steps with Eddie and Ray. There's just all the fats trimmed from it. And everything is like, this is why we do it. There's a point to it. Bang, bang, bang. But with Punk, there are a couple of extra steps in it, I think, which is really, uh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. So for two points to come off the back of that, one is the amount of time that these guys have been wrestling. So as we've said, Eddie, Ray, TV wrestlers, um, they've had pretty much the entirety of the 90s wrestling plus. Mm. So they've both got 10 years plus under their belt. If I'm correct in thinking, I believe CM Punk starts training in 98, 99. He's at least out and... He's, he's out and doing yeah. matches in 98 and 99. So he has yeah. a couple of years under his belt at this point. Three, four years. And they are triple, quadruple that amount. So he's all, he's definitely going to be behind and the TV season and just the amount of matches that they've had. So you can see why he's a step behind. You can see why like he's a little bit clunky in places and also it's CM Punk and he's kind of clunky anyway. Um, the other point mm. to factor in is I think IWA Mid-South and what they're doing is there's a group of them, the indie lads that are going we're going to do what they did in the 80s. We're going to do long matches, which translates then into Ring of Honor where they're also doing long matches. But there's this definite feel of let's do as much time as possible when it comes to these when it comes to these title matches. Like I be- I'm pretty sure Punk and um, Hero have like 90-minute matches. Yeah, yeah. There's a 90-minute yeah. um, Iron Man match or something like that a little bit later on, which I don't think I could... I couldn't sit through There's that. part of my head that goes, <laughs> I could do that. And then I try and do long matches and I'm like 15 minutes and I'm like, I've done everything. I've literally done everything that I can do. What yeah. else could I do? Um, well, there's just a lot of like yeah. rest holds, isn't there? And there's a lot of like walking around the crowd, grabbing by there. I'm going to throw you into this wall. Now we're going to walk all the way around, all the way around. I'm going to throw you into this wall. Right, that's taking up five um, minutes. I did brilliant. enjoy. Do you remember when GCW did that 24 hour live stream? I watched pretty much the mm. entirety of that because I'm a loser. Um, <laughs> I want to say it's Jordan Oliver and Tony Deppen. Um, that do mm-hmm. an hour-long Iron Man match that ends in a draw. And then the next block of the hour is like just this GCW signing hour. And they go, fuck that, we'll do it. We're keeping going. So they do a two-hour match. Uh, I watched all of it. I, I actually, I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I highly rate Jordan Oliver. He's very good. Uh, do we have Jordan Oliver coming mm. to North at some point? Maybe he's not. Hmm. maybe we do yeah well he's doing this thing like he's doing a really yeah, extended european tour which is which i think is great like it's really difficult uh you want to balance off like flying people over versus flying people flying over themselves and stuff like that but if you come over and you kind of jordan oliver's really thrown himself into it like he's getting bookings pretty much every weekend like 
pretty high profile ones. Although there's some high profile British promotions that haven't booked him. Like, yeah, what, what, yeah, what are you, are you doing? doing? John Oliver's um, well good. Like, yeah, there's that, there's that stupid attitude in British wrestling sometimes where it's like, well, they've booked him, so we're not going to book him. I'm like, oh, God's sake, just yeah. book the best wrestlers for God, please. Um, but yeah, he's he's really good. But yeah, he'll be in, Interesting. He'll be in North at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have it's very likely that he's going to be a part of um, a tournament format in North where there's a 10 minute time limit. <laughs> so I think that tells you everything about how I feel about matches that go any longer than like 15 or 20 minutes. I just don't think there's any need for it. Like a gen, I, 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 I don't, but just to give you a backdrop of Liam's viewing habits, I think it was last Wrestle, WrestleMania weekend where Liam said he wasn't going to watch anything. I think yeah, he watched such a, What a liar. <laughs> I think he was. What a liar. <laughs> I think he tells himself that he's not going to watch any of it. And then I think he watched every single indie show going. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think there's one I ended up everything. Um, getting Fight TV Plus or Fight Plus um, where the collective was on the GCW stuff. I watched every show bar the Santino Bros first one. And I think there was, I think, I don't think I watched, no, I did watch Emo Fight. Um, there was a lot of, you did. There was a lot of stuff that happened that I wasn't massively infused <laughs> around. I also watched the Ring of Honor um, card, which had the best two matches of the WrestleMania weekend, uh, Eddie mm. Kingston and uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Shibata and Wheeler Utah. And I'm not a huge Wheeler Utah guy, but that was a mm. that was a real good match. Um, and then I watched mm. chunks of Mania um, and then wanted to die. So going back to this match, um, yeah, I think there's not, because it's such a short match, there's not a lot. I think to talk about the actual match itself, I would definitely just go and say, go and watch it because weirdly enough, it's actually yes. captured quite well. I think that's one thing I thought there's actually like, where's the quality is questionable. And I think the quality is obviously dropped as time's gone on. Um, it's actually captured quite well. And actually you get quite a lot of the action in frame. Like it's framed well. Um, you don't miss a lot of the stuff. Eddie and Ray are like, Eddie especially are very aware of the where the cameras are. So the times where he's selling and letting, because I will say Ray and Punk do most of the lifting in this match. Um, yeah, you're not thinking, oh, this it didn't feel clunky at all. Whereas a lot of this stuff can feel really clunky. And you have to be, I think to watch IWA Mid-South, now you have to be a real wrestling fan to go back and have like a vested interest to you know, as to why you're going to watch yeah. it. There's a weird thing on the production. It's a bit, um, and this is like something I bang on about a lot, is like, um, and more so now when I watch, um, so I, when I watch the Rumble, I found it easier to watch because mm. the level of cuts was less and stuff because it's almost like someone left the company. Um, the On this, like, quite often it'll, it'll go from the hard cam It'll go to a reverse shot then, yeah. which I find a little bit weird and disorientating at times. But for this, it kind of helps because quite often on three ways, there is that problem that we mentioned of like just someone is there in shot. And there's a couple of occasions in this where like they're not in the shot. So it does become a little bit more of a genuine. And I don't, I don't think it's by design. I think it's just fucking coincidence and just yeah. sheer luck. Um, particularly in the... Um, I think Eddie goes for the O'Connor roll on Mysterio 
and punks at the apron and he hits the sunset um, through. You don't see Punk in the shot until they hit the ropes, which is mm-hmm. quite nice. Um, but yeah, it's like the I like I love that. I love a ship building in the background. I think this is where we all disagree. Um, so when we're talking about the collective, I love the. Uh, I sometimes I love a, a well lit room. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I the Dan Cross when I watch wrestling, like that room's too bright. I think with um, no, no flight, it's like a it's like a dimly lit room, and I like that vibe, and I think it works well sometimes. But yeah. for this one, I think it was really good. I also think just to add to kind of like the, the choice of shot, I would imagine from experience of kind of uh, operating at this level. I don't do the edits now, but back in the day, it's not choosing the best shot. It's choosing not the worst shot. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's going, uh, this is the angle that we're going to choose because the referee was standing in the way of this one or the cameraman was like this for that one or, yeah. So I think, but I think it works really well. Like, and again, you wonder how much of that is just the awareness of like, Eddie and Ray kind of going, well, I'm going to be out of the ring for this part or I'm going to be down here for this part or the hard cam's there, so I'm just going to make sure that I'm not in the way of that. Or, Yeah, I think that kind of ring awareness is always... It definitely helps. I also think that sometimes like it definitely comes down... I don't want to say look and like discard like the effort that goes into it, but like the look of what... As in good look, the look of what that ring is like is helpful because that ring could look like it could be different and it totally ruined the vibe so my cat's currently battering itself in a mirror um which is good i'm glad that we've all got animal <laughs> antics going on today um how the building is all adds to it the camera work i think is just there's probably elements of it that it's just lucky that it sits in that fashion not to discredit the work that goes into yeah. it but i do think that some you could have this in a multiple different places and venues and promotions and it just wouldn't hit the same as it does in IWA Mid-South. But then I do think that the way that then they mm. do produce stuff is the reason why it ended up being on like tape traders lists and stuff like that because of how cool it looks and because of yeah. the way that it all sits. Yeah, I think the backstory of it all as well, the backstory of Eddie and where he was, uh, you know, Ray hadn't debuted on WWF at the time. Punk was very much an up-and-comer. I think, like, um, I think if this had been done in, like, TNA 2004, like, early TNA, it wouldn't get talked about at all. I don't think it would be, you know, with good production, I don't think it would have been talked about. So the fact that it's in this shonky ring in, like, Illinois somewhere, I think really helps it when you realize like, because the match is really talking about this is the lowest that Eddie, this is Eddie's lowest ebb at that point in his career. And it really fucking looks like it. However, they pull a really good match out of it and it's actually still quite watchable. And I think I will say, yeah, I agree. Like to not take the, you know, the, the kudos for the work. Actually, like I've got it running here. Some of the camera shots, like the, the way that the hard cams follow yeah. them, it's pretty yeah, they well do a lot of, there's, a, there's this real nice thing. There's a lot of like zooms, but rather than cut yeah. before or after the zoom, they leave it in and it's got this nice, like I think we've mentioned it before, it's got a nice like kind of voyeuristic feel. Yeah. Um, and even Punk at the end when he's selling, um, the zooms, like I think it might be from the hard cam, but it's through the ropes and it looks, it looks very kind of fan cammy, kind of very raw. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting kind of selling, and then he, I think he sells around the other side of the ring. Um, 
yeah, it's like yeah, it's got this nice like creepy feel, and of course I like it because it looks a bit looks a bit creepy. Um, of course, yeah, it's, good. it's really good. Yeah, I think I think it, I think some of the framing's really good, and again, you wonder how much. I think a lot of that it will be you know credit to the camera, you know the camera guys, but also there's a bit where um, they do the kind of three-way submission lockup stuff so it starts with um a chin lock it's like the three-way chin lock and it's just framed really nicely but you can see ray's like just underneath kind of like turning to the to the right to get in shot with the camera it's almost like in the corner of his eye without looking at the cameraman he sees the cameraman he's like guys we're going this way guys turn this way turn this way (laughs) right that's really cool do you know what i mean and i think i think that must be the kind of conditioning that you get from uh, working a TV product as much as that, so you got this. I think that's why it it works really well because you do have this voyeuristic style to it, where you're like, "This is a real snapshot of a very specific moment, a very specific place in time that me, Andrew from Whitley Bay, <laughs> would never have seen." Uh, whilst also having the professionality of a couple of guys in there who have worked TV and know exactly how to place themselves and frame themselves at the right time. So yeah, you get this little bit of magic, and I think that's what Punk had kind of called it so it's nice to kind of hear i think to have his perspective on it because he very much was an indie wrestler at that point to kind of get his perspective and go this felt like it was fucking magic at the time is a really nice kind of way of going yeah like i think it feels like that um uh Right, okay, I'm back. So the match breaks down at that point. Like, there's actually quite, there's only one bit where the match really slows down, and it's that kind of Eddie on Ray STF, punk double deck as the lock. And then you do the, it, that's only when it goes into like, there's a couple of like, um, or there's a leapfrog. Actually, hang on, I'm talking about the wrong thing here. Right there. Uh, okay. I think it's funny at that point to see the 619 not being used as a trademark move it's just used as and it doesn't get a pop at all like it's just it gets a bit of a pop in that it's like oh what's that like and the way that he delivers it as well his feet go straight over his head so the way he's trying to deliver it is like i'm fucking like taking you out with that one rather than the 619 that we all know which is more of an impact and it hits them back and makes them roll i thought that was quite interesting um and I think for me as well, the big thing with Eddie was just like, he's so crisp. And going back to his comment of, I want to perform for whether there's one person in the crowd of, or, or 20,000 people in the crowd, I want to perform for myself. It looks like it in here. He's just so uh, Something to note on that. The, the point that I put that in was when he does the back suplex to Ray, which we mentioned last time. Um, yeah. But it's exactly the same. It comes with the exact same impact, the exact same emotion around it, whether he's in a stadium arena mm-hmm. or whether he's in front of a hundred hicks at IWM itself. Um, it comes off the same. Also, another point yeah. to pick out for, for wrestlers is the early stages of this match where like they're both pinning Eddie. Eddie's kickouts are incredible. They are pinpoint, mm-hmm. excellent precision out of it the 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 ideal kick out yeah i think so going at the finish of this match 
Uh, I actually really, really like the finish of this. And I find like sometimes of indie matches, like the finish is the thing that is difficult to kind of land. Um, and without really seeing much of CM Punk stuff at this point, I don't know what kind of finishes were like. I would imagine if you're doing a lot of 45, 25, 30 minute matches, they're kind of like, oh, I'm absolutely, we're both fucked. One, one arm over them type thing. So the finish to this, I thought was just really, really cool. Did anyone hear the call from the fan just as before they go into the finish? Mm-hmm. So no. fan shouts out, this is the greatest nitro ever, <laughs> which I thought was a funny little bit, um, which then literally leads into that assisted Rana, um, like the, the leapfrog kind of assisted Rana. But my be- my favorite bit of this is when they come out of that and Eddie just fucks Ray out, the, out of the ring. And like he throws him so far. And I think Ray's selling of that. Like Ray just scoots off out through like the second uh, or, or like the bottom rope. I don't know how he scoots out of it. It's very low. He scoots off out of it, and it looks like he's gone into like the, like <laughs> the, hit the back wall. Um, and then he hit the the frog splash, which is just fucking. It's lovely, but he doesn't quite get the elevation, which I would imagine is like probably those ropes. Um, and then Ray is too slow to get back in and break up the pin, and you've got Eddie's got the belt and i kind of think like i was expecting a bit more from the crowd i thought the crowd were gonna be like whoa but they're like something like i think title changes were quite frequent in iwa mid-south and they probably were like well they got a show tomorrow probably gonna go back on cm punk but i thought the whole finish section given that it was only 11 minutes long the whole match i, I loved it like i, I really really yeah, enjoyed I've that finish. Know that it was just a good like a good solid finish like it's nice it's timed well as is everything in the match everything is like excellent timing sometimes like to a to an absolute fault that it's like damn that couldn't have been placed any better i think this falls into it as well where it goes bam Mm. bam bam we're out one two three and it's just a it's just a really solid finish yeah and i think it plays into Eddie Guerrero, the character. He's the bad guy in it. Like it's it, like it's bookended nicely. The start, if you look at the starting sequence, which is three of them trying to lock up, but Eddie kind of ducking out every time. To then the three of them right at the end, but Eddie fucking off Ray and getting like frog splash in the pin. I think a very nice way of telling that story. So we still don't really have a uh, rating system. Um, is this bare ass or? <laughs> Bear good. I don't know. Bear grill. Did we I come up with a top one last time? <laughs> or did we have the phones? Uh, I just think we had. Like, what was your feelings towards it? I think this match was. I don't think it was as good as Ray no, versus Eddie by any stretch. It wasn't emotional as much. But I think I, I think what I mentioned from the last one is that there wasn't as much of an emotional build to Ray versus Eddie Halloween Havoc. Uh, they emotionally invested you in that match, which was the I think was the amazing part of that match is that they took you from quite a cold, not a cold start, but like from the moment they walked out, you're like, right, I'm in now. I, I, I understand. And then it just built throughout. Whereas this one, I think because I knew the backdrop of what was happening outside the ring. I think it's a really interesting, and that the Indies are really, that's what independent wrestling kind of has to lend itself to. It's kind of, it's a snapshot in time. A lot of the time, independent wrestling, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a product of what else is happening. And obviously this one was heavily built in that. So I think watching it back and, you know, all of the comments on the YouTube thing, I'm just talking about, fuck, I really miss Eddie Guerrero. And it's like, it's so strange. It's like, yeah, you you know, it would have been 
you, you do kind of wish he was still around around now but he left such a mark and Rey Mysterio did as well on independent wrestling style and the style of wrestling that comes off the back of this without really realizing how much and seeing that he had an independent run and matches like this kind of goes, Oh fucking hell. Right. He really did lay out quite a lot of the blueprint for what they yeah, I think this is that. a match that ends up being replicated. Whether people know that the reference in this or not, definitely the feel of it is referenced throughout like indie wrestling across the board. Um, and from like the cruiserweight style of wrestling that this sort of fits into, but like, yeah, like this is a, a reference point. I listened to a podcast recently from uh, this guy called blind boys an Irish, um, creative artist. Um, mm. and he was saying that when he makes music, yes, he does he a, a bin bag on his head. head. <laughs> it's a plastic bag. Um, plastic bag. So he was talking about <laughs> reference tracks and how when he's making music, he'll have like a reference album that he listens to daily that then he bases his own music around. And I feel like this triple threat is a reference track for a lot of multi-man indie matches that happen, whether people realize it is or not. Hmm. I think I kind of, I think I, I think I like this more than the, uh, the Eddie Ray match. Visually, though, it's definitely your bag, isn't it? Oh yeah, flea bag think, wrestling. Yeah, yeah, that's it's well established. That's my that's my thing. Um, but I think I think because it's a three way that I find very interesting. Um, and yeah, it's part it's part of the look and the feel, and I, I kind of really like the the roughness of it. And I think it, whether the story is intentional or not, it's like the the in-ring story of like this guy who is like, this is his kind of turf. He's uh, having to hang with these two more polished dudes, mm. more experienced dudes, I think kind of comes across in a lot of the stuff. Um, yeah. I, I think I prefer, I prefer this to the, uh, to the other one. That's not saying that the other one was fucking great as well. Um, but yeah, I think because it's a three way that I don't despise, maybe that's swaying me yeah i think i think that's like i think that's a point to make actually with it is a it is a very good example of how to do a three-way match especially on the indies and keep it short and concise and tell a story within it so yeah thumbs up from me maybe not as Bear, much as last match that- but uh, What's that mean, bare yeah, balls? Yeah, that's the that's rating system that we had, wasn't it? It was bare balls that was top, bare gooch was the middle, and then bare ass was the end, right? That's, that's, <laughs> that's, oh, uh, yeah. That's oh, what it was. You didn't call it to gooch, yeah, you called it to someone else. Taint. <laughs> I think this is bare balls um, for me. Big bare yeah, balls. I would say bare, bare balls. balls and as well. if we play another game of The Price is Right, I would say that this is less than the Eddie Ray match yeah. in the in the chain. But Rory, you would say that it's I would say so. Yeah. It's a step it's a step down. It's a little it's, step down. Yeah, I think it's more than because it's in a fucking bingo hall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So where do you think we can go from this? I guess it like keeps it open. Um we were gonna go Lex Luger last time. I for one am quite glad that we didn't go the Lex Luger route. <laughs> <laughs> I think we there's could a WA. We could do yeah. 
I think I this mean, has kind of opened up a little bit. It's opened up a little bit more to kind of go down more of a modern route or a route that's probably like more grounded in the stuff that we're probably influenced a bit more by. Maybe, maybe not you, Rory. I know that you're you, you prefer your your older stuff. Um, but I guess I guess from here we could go more IWA mid south. There's a bit of Tracy Smothers nice. stuff in there. We could go. We we could move over to. We had Simon on one of our um, social media channels. His preferred chain route would be punk, after this, Punk versus Joe, Ring of Honor 2004. Uh, and then go into the Joe versus Styles versus Daniel, another triple threat match, TNA 2005. And then head towards TNA's first five star match, which was in the. Was that first five star match? Was that Bailey Osprey? Um, yeah. Does Joe and Angle get the five star match? If not, then it'll be, um, yeah, be Osprey and somebody. I would like to mention that it would be a shame if we do TNA without doing Motor City Machine Guns or Alex Shelley at some point. But I also understand that we'll probably come back out to that at some point. We'll have a look at that though. But uh, yeah, comments, comment below. We're really old. That's my thing. Is there a. You need to work on doing your. You need to work on doing your finger finger pistols, mate. Yeah, I do. I do. It's it's the wrong way. <laughs> I like to think every time we do that, yeah. um, partners go. Oh, why definitely. are we off these people? Well, the fact that I'm doing a podcast uh, about wrestling, Jade is like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you can find North Wrestling on uh, Instagram, North Wrestling NCL on X, North underscore NCL, Facebook, North Wrestling NCL, YouTube, North Wrestling NCL can now sign up and access our whole uh, archive. If you like dirty flea bag wrestling, then we've got a lot of that on there for you too. <laughs> you can go all the way back to 2016 when we were wrestling in the Riverside nightclub in front of like a hundred people all the way through to Thunderstruck in front of 700 people. Uh, and you can, I think it's six ninety nine. Good price. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I'll overdub that one. Yeah. Um, you can support us on Patreon, which you'll get this podcast earlier than anyone else. Um, and you will get all sorts of stuff like behind the scenes stuff, uh, Q and a with me. <laughs> Is that a sellable point? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we will see you you can find where Liam where can we find people can find you on on the Twitter and Instagram Liam underscore SLTR um, I have a YouTube that has some matches on it as well but if you search Liam Slater on YouTube you'll find me there and Rory where can we find you find Liam and uh, Liam Tag on this if you search him you can also find me in a teabag death match Jesus, well, um, against uh, a certain swerve. Oh yeah, as in Yorkshire tea. Bag, like Yorkshire tea. I'll tell that story another time. Tune in next time yeah. when I tell the story about teabag death match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name is uh, X or Twitter. Um, Rory Wrestler. Same for Instagram. Uh, uh, merchandise you can go to RoryWrestler.com where I've uh, done a stock check finally and I uh, found a box of t-shirts nice so I've got more than I thought that's always good <laughs> yeah. until next time Goodbye. we'll see you later guys bye <laughs>